It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. You're very welcome to Late Lunch this Thursday afternoon. Hope you're doing well out there. I have big news for you. Yes, folks, this is real good news. Listen to what I have to say. It's been announced earlier today that here in Ireland, we've turned around one of the biggest spikes in COVID-19 cases in the world. Well done, one and all, because we've all played our part in this. It's great news. It really is. And it just shows you with uh, a bit of fortitude and determination and digging in what we can do. It is possible. We did show it before last year. But, you know, we're bombarded with variations of this thing, as you know, and uh, lockdowns. And when will we? Won't we? Will we? Uh, Schools going back, uh, work, you name it. It's all in there. And it's just incessant, isn't it? Day after day. Well, there is Uh, one aspect there's lots of good news there really is but just important to tell everybody that and shout it from the treetops we've done it we went from a very good situation to the worst in the world we were the dunce in the class and now we're back top girl top boy top of the class and heading for A grades we've turned it round the biggest spike in the world ever since COVID-19 has come we have it down now real low let's keep our foot on the neck of it now folks and keep this going for another while and please God you know summer is coming spring first of course and then summer and the world please God later this year will be a better place but well done to one and all and well done to one post may I say today Got my little cards delivered this morning in the post. Two of them. Yes, Valentine's card. Brian Farley's delighted, to be honest, which he feels he's big part of this. And he's right. He is, he is, he is. You know he is. Anyway, two cards for Valentine's. I'm sure everybody's received them at this stage. And you can post them to somebody for free with embossed. Yes, you don't have to put a stamp in it. Won't cost you anything. So get those cards and send them to somebody you love with a little message on them. <clears throat> I love getting cards myself, you know. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yes, they're free with unpost. <laughs> so if you don't want to spend a euro on me, here's your chance to send it for free. Anyway, I have two. One with a lovely pink heart in the front and other hearts. And another one with a blank front and a completely blank on the front of it. So they are. I'll have to think about those. And I'm going to send them myself. And I encourage you to send and post your unpost cards uh, when they arrive. Get them out there for Valentine's Day. Welcome to the show. 
Great chat coming over the next couple of hours. Stephanie Preisner is with us. She's wonderful. She's joining me after two o'clock. She's a real influencer, this lady. I've met her a couple of times here in uh, Late Lunch in the studio and she's joining me later on for a chat. We'll also be hearing from Nikki Kyle, yes. Ready, steady. We're almost ready to go in the vegetable garden. Nikki, with our best advice, the uh, number one organic gardener in Ireland is with us on the show as well a little bit later on. We'll be talking to our own David Sheehan from the sports department. He has a podcast launching tomorrow all about mead football around the time of the end of the boiling era and post Sean Boylan. Interesting indeed. We're going to hear about that on the show and more besides. If you'd like to join in the conversation with us, don't forget the numbers. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show now or you can call in on 1850-715-958. Now I begin today with a returning guest and let me tell you the little story. Dion O'Rourke Ryan messaged me last week and said, Jerry. Thank you so much. I'm only getting back to you now for the lovely chat we had on your show back last April. And uh, I really appreciate it. And thank you so much. I have a little update if you'd like to hear it. And I said, of course I want to hear it. And the lady herself is on the line. Welcome again, Diane. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Lovely to talk to you again. Let's go back to the 29th of April last year is when we spoke last and you told us your story. You might just resume it a little bit so as listeners, they'll remember you and just to, to paint the picture before you uh, give us the, the add-on to the story from last April. You were expecting, was this your first baby? Just remind me. It was indeed, yes. Okay, it and it wasn't... A st- I remember the conversation. My God, the house fell in on you, didn't it, during the pregnancy? It didn't. We'd had a, we had a tough road from seven years of trying to get pregnant to finally being pregnant to unfortunately being extremely sick during my pregnancy um, with hyperemesis. I then contracted COVID at eight months pregnant. Wow. And preeclampsia, you better throw that in there as well. The preeclampsia, sorry, forgetting about that part. Yeah, throw that Um, in for good measure, yeah. (laughs) We had the the preeclampsia as well. I was diagnosed with that then when I had um, the COVID. So it was was a rough, rough end of a pregnancy, but... It really um, was. And you were attending the Rotunda Hospital, I know, and mm -hmm. they weren't keen at that stage with all that was going on and COVID, like, quite new. You know, when you think of April last year, uh, they were trying to have as many deliveries as natural deliveries weren't they as possible then that's it um at the time especially with a patient that obviously had covid they were extremely cautious um because they didn't know their effects themselves they were still kind of in the processing phase as they say of learning exactly what the outcomes were with covid so unfortunately i couldn't deliver naturally um i had a bit of difficulty and spray on got into a bit of difficulty as well so we ended up having to have an emergency C-section um, to get him here safely. Yes, so. but he did arrive safely and all yeah. was well. You know, when you, you know, all you went through with the pregnancy and then COVID, my word, towards yeah. the latter stage as well. It's always in your mind, isn't it? Is, is the baby going to be okay? And, and I think that's the thing. It's, it's so scary. And with Braden in the hospital, he had to have COVID tests done himself um, just to ensure that he didn't contract it from me. Um, and that alone was, it was heartbreaking kind of watching it happen, watching him going through the little test. Um, but I knew it was for his own sake. He needed to get it done. He needed to make sure that he was safe. Um, but it's scary. It's so petrifying when you're in there on your own because 
as you know, there was there was no family allowed in. There was no partners allowed in. You didn't have a buddy that you could talk to. You were practically on your own with a midwife. And the midwives are so amazing and so kind and caring that they did become nearly part of your family. But it is such a lonely experience when you're in the hospital on your own and um, going through all the tests and going through the treatment that you're going through. Of course, of course. With the medical staff, they are fantastic. Mm, But, you know, isn't it lovely to have the daddy there and that family can come and see as well, which was all off the agenda. And I know, look, you said to me when you contacted me lately, you didn't feel yourself you were in the best place when we had that conversation last April, late last April. Now, I wouldn't have detected that, to be honest with you, you know, from our, our, our chat on the day. But there is more. There is, to, there is more, isn't yeah. there, to this story? And you're going to tell us now. Take it up from uh, from the birth of Bradon. So after um, after Bradon was born, um, I had got home from hospital. And unfortunately, when I got home, we found out that Bradon wasn't a single pregnancy. It was He was actually a twin. And unfortunately, we had lost Bradon's twin during the pregnancy. Um at the time of, I was in complete shock. I think it was the fact that we were so blessed to get pregnant, even with one baby, let alone two. But to lose a baby and not actually even know that I was pregnant with that baby, um, I really struggled emotionally. And I still struggle with my emotions over it. Um, but I did get help. Um, I got counselling and I'm still going through counselling. Um, I find that it was hard to try and admit that I was I was feeling the emotions I was feeling and to try and say to myself that I needed to kind of get that little bit of a backup, even though my family were amazing, my friends were amazing. I still struggled with the fact that I didn't know I was pregnant with another baby. Um, and to find that information out the way I did, um, I found it very difficult to kind of come to terms with. So it was... A bit of a roller coaster, but I'm in a better place now. I'm, you know, so blessed I have my little bundle of joy, and he's just such a character. He, he brightens my day every day. Mm. Um, and now I'm back at work. I'm, you know, trying to keep myself focused and on going forward. And it's it's been a journey, but it's been a good journey. I've learned an awful lot of outcomes from it for myself. Yes, and how strong I can be um, at the end of it all. Uh, you don't have to tell me about Braydon. I've been looking at the little video you sent in. Good luck to you. You're doing a great job. <laughs> He's flying around the place. He really is. It was lovely to see him. You know, it's lovely to see, you know, when you have a conversation and then you see the little lad himself. Thank you for that. But look, just come back to this for a moment. When he was, when Braydon arrived and uh, you went through what you went through, another baby was delivered in that procedure, the C-section. It was, yeah. Um so when we had Braydon on the Saturday, I had obviously got out then the following Thursday. Um, and we found out then on the Monday that they had detected, um, as they say, a fetus, but I don't like calling it that, another baby, mm. um, during the C-section, that they had sent off the placenta for analysis and testing. And they can confirm that it was another another fetus. Um, so... Basically, they were kind of asking then whether, you know, what we wanted to do regards to this. But obviously, we we didn't know. It was a massive shock to us um, to try and process it all. But we ended up having to arrange a little funeral for our little angel baby. Um, and we called her Baby Hope. 
So And it, it was a girl, you know that? Well, we actually, to be honest, Jerry, we don't. Um, at the time, it was such a, a rush because we didn't know that we were pregnant, as I said, but yeah. it was the fact that we, basically the husband just told us that we had a baby sitting, waiting to be, you know, buried. So we had to, you know, work kind of quickly yes. to try and have a funeral and stuff. Mm. And then um, we were told there literally over the last month that we can actually have a DNA test done to see whether or not it was a boy or a girl. But at that point, you know, I'd, I'd already picked a name. Well, actually, my dad had picked the name, mm. um, Hope. So we we buried her as a girl. Oh. We weren't 100% sure whether it was a male or a female. So we just went with what my gut was feeling at the time, um, which was yeah. I, I just could picture a little girl. So we picked a little girl. Mm. Um, so we, we christened, well... We gave her the name Hope. The baby is an angel, you know that, and and that's a, a, a really appropriate name. Did you know this when you were talking to me last time? Yes, we had only found out the day before. Well, oh kind of a couple God. of days before. So mm. it was, at the time, it was something that we struggled to process. Oh, sure. I won't lie. I thought I had it wrong. I thought they had the wrong person. And I remember, like, we were standing there and, and I was with my mom and I, I had to hand my mom the phone to talk to the person because I just couldn't, I couldn't work it out in my head. I was like, no, you have this wrong. Like, it's not me. And she was like, no. And she read out my details. And I was like, oh, God, it is. Um, so it was just still a shock. And at the time, I couldn't process it. It took me a very long time to even process the fact that we were, I, I struggled even going to the, to the graveside because I found it hard and difficult standing there and, and looking and kind of going, how did I not know? Like, how could, you, how could you not know? And I blamed myself in a sense. But now I understand that, look, these things can happen. It happens during pregnancies. Babies hide babies behind each other. Um, so it's, it can be quite, not a common thing, but it can happen. Yeah. So I just needed to understand that myself that, look, you know, these things can happen, but I need to be strong enough for Braydon. Yes. To make sure that he got the best out oh, of me. Oh, yes, yes, yes. God, um, what a story uh, this is. And you had to hold that within yourself as you were speaking to me almost a year ago at this stage. Yeah. Uh, look, I mentioned like what you went through with the, the pregnancy. So long waiting to conceive, number one, then to have all those things that came upon you as you're pregnant, including the COVID towards the end. And then this arrives yeah. into your life to, to deal with. Um you know, you talk about blaming yourself, and I'm sure this is running through in your head all the time. Did, did you need help? Did you need to go for help to work work your way through it? Yeah, yeah. I did. I and to be honest, it was probably from myself anyway. It was the best thing I could have done. Um, I struggled with my emotions and with my thoughts that was going through my head. Um, I found it very difficult at times, but I remember sitting down with my mom, and I actually said, "Mom, I just I don't know." what to do there's so much going through my head and at that she was like just go and speak to the doctor you need to speak to the doctor or your nurse and and let them know how you're feeling and I did and Jerry I, I won't look back because I've been through the six counseling sessions now and my GP is so amazing and I am so grateful to my counsellor because I was able to get what I was feeling out and I was able to kind of get information back from her that will help me to kind of process the thoughts and process how I was feeling. And it has helped. It's made me It's made me feel great that I can actually come back to work, in a sense. I, I didn't see that happening at any point. 
well now I'm back in work and I'm back focused again on, on the future and, you know, doing what I can to keep myself and my mental health um, happy and healthy, as they say. You're really great. I have to say that to you, like to, to be able to talk about it so openly as well today. And it's a real sign of the progress you've made. But, you know, in, in telling your story, it is very important that if you're listening to Dion today, folks, I, I just have a picture in my mind here. If you had bottled that up within and not allowed it come out or speak about it or work through it, you know what happens when you do that? Then there's an explosion. Completely. Completely. And I was afraid of that kind of happening. And I work in healthcare. So I'm a, I'm a healthcare manager for a home care company. Yeah. Um, so I know how important it is for me to be on my top farm because I look after people every day and make sure that, you know, things are being done. So I know from myself in dealing with the HSC and, you know, it is so important that we do stand up for ourselves. Yeah. You have to admit that there's something wrong within yourself to be able to get the help that you need. And you must get the help. We're saying that to listeners today. You must, must go, please, if you feel, you know, if you were, you're listening to what Dion is saying, anything similar to that, and you, you feel you're in this situation today, do what Dion did. Go and talk. Start that. That's a good starting point, your GP, isn't it? It is, and it really is. There's so many contact helplines out there that can, you know, help people, especially, you know, with pregnancy and stuff. People are struggling emotionally for the fact they can have their partners there or families there. And if you are, like, just talk to your GP, especially with the COVID restrictions and things going on. People are struggling not going out to see their families and not being able to see their friends. But there is so many people out there that are willing to listen that once you say it out loud and admit it to yourself, saying it is, is not good enough, you have to have that feeling to admit it. You need to be saying to yourself, right, this is actually how I feel. Don't tell somebody something because you think that's what they want to hear. Tell them exactly how you're feeling. And it'll be the only time that you'll make a difference and you'll make yourself feel better again. And it's the best bit of advice that I was given and mm. it's what helped me through. Oh, it's wonderful advice you're giving to so many people listening to us this afternoon. Come back to the COVID for a moment and we hear about uh, the long COVID struggle with many people who go through uh, COVID-19. Have you any residual? I do, unfortunately. Um, since I've had COVID, I, I've always had asthma. Um, it wasn't really bad. It was due to kind of more so my my weight, my heavy set than, than anything else. Um, but since I've had COVID, I, I do struggle a lot with my respiratory system, with, you know, light walks, even walking upstairs. I can find myself getting a lot quicker out of breath, um, trying to even bring the bin out, I find that, you know, overexerting myself, I'm getting quite out of breath quite quickly. Um, my taste, it took months for my taste to come back. And for my smell, there's still certain things, and I'm nine months on, there's still certain things I can't smell. Um, but it, it, there is some long effects for a lot of people. And I know people are kind of saying, oh, there's no way it can last that long. They can I'm not the only one. I know that there's lots and lots of other people who are still struggling today with the after effects of COVID-19. And there are still deniers, you know that? You, you there know, is. You know the deniers? You do? Yeah, you're well aware oh, of it. Believe me, I do. Mm. And, and within the healthcare field, believe me, we, we hear a lot of it. Mm. Um, but as I say, you know what? It's only when it darkens your own doorstep that you will understand the effects that it has. But 
the best way is to prevent it before you even get to that stage. You mm. don't want this coming onto your doorstep. You don't want this affecting any member of your family. You want to keep yourself safe. You want to keep your family safe. And it's just look after yourself. You know, take the advice that we're being given. I understand people are frustrated and angry and so annoyed with the restrictions being put in place. But they're there for a reason. They're there to protect us and to protect our most vulnerable. And they're the ones that need us to stand up and be accountable for our actions and ensure that we don't put somebody at risk. And uh, you probably heard me saying there at the top of the show, just to emphasise this again, that everybody's doing great. Really, I say to everybody again today, we've turned around one of the biggest spikes of co- in COVID-19 across the world. It was the biggest spike from where we were to where we hit December, Christmas time and into the new year. And we have it right down again. So, you know, despite all, we're doing a good we're job. Working. Yes, we are. And you know what it is? It's everybody's doing it. It's not just... You know, one person wearing a mask. It's so many people standing together and washing our hands and sanitising and doing the things that we need to do, but it's protecting each other. And the difference in the last few weeks just speaks volumes for itself. It shows that people are listening. It shows that people care enough to make a change. And that's all we need is people to stand together and ensure that we all fight this together. Yes. Just before we finish, have you completed, you know, the funeral arrangements where your baby lays to rest? We have. We've, we have her. She's, she's buried in the best place. We have her with my granddad. Um, my granddad loved kids, and he was the most amazing man in the entire world. Um, I know that he's, he's looking after where she is, and she's, she's safe where she is. So she's, she's buried with him in, in his class in Delik, and we're just so blessed that that she's there with him. Yeah, it's really touching to hear that as well and to have her close to, this little angel close to somebody you lived with for years and know well in the family as well. It's it's a lovely, it's a lovely uh, scenario. It really, it really is. Look, um, Dion, thank you again for joining me. I'm delighted you came back to me to uh, complete the story. Uh, it's been a tough year for you and no matter what way you dress it up anyway in so many ways but listen breathe on look at him and look at that lovely husband of yours Eddie as well you have you have the world and that's it we're so blessed we're so lucky and you know it's onwards and upwards from there as they say it certainly is you've been a tonic let me say for (laughs) me personally and I'm sure many listening to you on the show today and we wish all of you all the very best for a much better 2021 and beyond. Dion O'Rourke, Ryan, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sherry. Thank you for joining me on the show. Isn't she fantastic? She contacted me to say I didn't complete the story. And when I think about it, when oh, she's just what she had to hold within herself when she was talking to me last April. And now to tell it again, I'd be able to tell it. And look at her recovery. Isn't it an inspiring story? It really is. If you want to get in touch with me on the show, say anything, make a comment, join in. You're always welcome. 86 658 is the WhatsApp or text number. You can get in touch with me now or if you want to uh, call in. The old phone, it's always there. 1850 Somebody sent me in a birthday request. I'm going to come back to this, but maybe we'll get a name. Happy 90th birthday, Eileen. Hope you have a nice day. Lots of love from all the gang and party. 
Come on, Eileen. Who is Eileen? Let us know who Eileen is. We'll get our surname, I promise you. Back on late lunch in a moment. Construction there on uh, the final ad just running back to me there just puts me in mind of a bit of news. Yes, you know, for years they've been talking to us here on late lunch. The wonderful people who've been fundraising year on year to build an Alzheimer's centre for the Drogheda and Greater Drogheda area. Anne and Noel and all the crew, they're just wonderful people. Well, the uh, diggers have moved in on site. The construction has begun for the new Alzheimer's centre in Drogheda. My word, what a marvellous day that is when you actually see sod being turned. And well done uh, to Anne Short and uh, Noel as well, the wonderful Noel and all the crew. It's uh, a mighty day, so it is, uh, to see the diggers going in there and uh, starting the work. And we'll be talking about that. We will indeed on late lunch down the road. But I just think uh, when you see that, it is heartening again. It's another real good news story, isn't it? Noel Heaney there, of course, the uh, chairman of the uh, group at this stage. But all the people who've put in the effort over the years, it's a wonderful, wonderful day. And congratulations to you all. And it will be there for many, many years to come to help so many people when they need it most. Siberian snow on the way. When was it? It's two or three years ago, wasn't it? In here, we uh, were in dire straits altogether to get people into the radio station to work. I remember myself and Sinead doing a show from 11 to half three non-stop one day. People just couldn't get in. There was so much snow. I think two or three years ago, maybe in my mind, maybe it's even more uh, further back than that. But anyway, you heard the forecast there. It's looking like we could get a deluge of snow next week. Ah, oh, well, it won't make much difference here because it's been like a snowstorm here since last March. There's so few about the place. So look, uh, the show will go on. I guarantee you that here on LMFM Radio. Jerry uh, says, Frank, uh, we have up to 100 people dying per day from COVID-19, over a 1,000 cases on average per day. Uh, now, uh, only this week have we begun uh, testing for close contacts again. I know what you're saying there, Frank, that will probably rise that number. And I mentioned that to Paul Minus certainly on Tuesday. I'm confused with your statement at the top of the show. Well, my statement was that we went from a very low base of cases in Ireland and we went through the roof, the highest in the world we were uh, with cases. And we've now suppressed it right down again, even though we're at those figures uh, per day. But the numbers are really going in the right direction, Frank. But you're right in what you say. Realistically, Jerry, uh, the virus will be with us for some time. The vaccine will finally deal with it in the long term and we will get through it. It will be under control. Thanks indeed, Frank, for your message to the show today. Dion was with us, top of the show. Dion O'Rourke Ryan telling us her story. Many people in touch to say what an inspiring young woman. And uh, that is the the truest words that anyone can speak. She's simply wonderful. And we're delighted that uh, she joined us again on the show today to update her story and talk about somebody joining me on the show again. I'm delighted to have met her in my time and talked to her a number of times on Late Lunch. She's an actress, writer, columnist, podcaster and influencer. Stephanie Preisner, hello again. How are you? Happy 2021. Ah, the same to you too. Lovely greeting. Great to catch up with you. What do you make when I say you're an influencer? You know when people say you're an influencer, Stephanie, what do you you make of that word? I think it's a it's a catch-all term that has certainly become tarnished in the last few months because the only time I see it used is when it's referring to people who are in Dubai putting out pictures from poolsides and trying to, I don't know, they claim that they're trying to make people feel better because they see sunlight on their Instagram posts. Um, But I think the term is used because people who have 
a large platform or a large following, they have influence over people and they can use that platform for good or for bad. I mean, it's not a term that I think about very often, but I guess because I do have a voice and I have a platform and I write for a newspaper and I have a large following on Instagram, I do have an influence over people. So for me, I kind of feel the responsibility of that and I make sure that the influence that I have is one that I guess brings people positivity in their life. Um, I am always myself. I, I bring a lot of myself to to my platforms and like recently I've been talking a lot about mental health and trying to use that influence to let people know that they're not alone, that I'm struggling, that it's okay to be struggling and um, let's not pretend that this isn't a really difficult time for us all and I guess trying to help people to understand that it's confusing and difficult but important to hold two things in your mind at once. Like it can be really frustrating the restrictions are awful and we hate them and it's difficult to stay in your house and be away from the people you love and feel so isolated and at the same time know that that is the right and safe thing to be doing. Mm. And I'll tell you, you just shot up my blood pressure when you mentioned Dubai and people going out there. Don't get me started on that one. But can I say about you, you are a real good influencer and uh, you really do. Uh, each week I read you and I follow your podcast as well, basically. And they're brilliant, may I say. And you do uh, do what you said a moment ago. You are real. You uh, live a real life like the majority of people in this country and in the world as well. And you focus on aspects of that. And I congratulate you for that. It, it really is brilliant. And that's why I wanted to catch up with you today, because I wanted to begin, you know, <laughs> we might as well stay on the Dubai team because your uh, most recent article in Sunday Independent Life magazine, folks, she's on page five or six every week. It's my go-to column when I get the paper every Sunday. You were talking about finding the suitcase with all the dust in it under the bed, yeah. Stephanie. So I was doing the washing the last day and um, I picked up the clothes. Uh, we should have a laundry basket, but to be honest, we don't. We just dump them in the corner of the room when they're dirty and that's the laundry pile. And I picked up the laundry pile the other day and um, a load of coins fell out of my fiancé's jeans um, because he's an essential worker, so he's still in and out to the office. Yeah. And I thought, God almighty, there's I haven't seen chain, like hard cash in so long because everything's just tapped now. But anyway, one of the coins rolled under the bed. So I went under on a hunt for it and I was feeling around in the dark and noticing that I hadn't hoovered under the bed probably since <laughs> we went into lockdown last year. And I put my hand on this box and I was like, what is that box? Because I don't remember having a box under the bed. And I pulled it out and it was my suitcase. And I got this pang of sadness where I was like, oh my God, like my suitcase has never been covered in that kind of dust. My suitcase has been covered in dust from like dragging it through Australia and the sandy desert and drag, dragging it through New York City and the sort of dusty smog that gets all over it then. It's never been covered in dust from lack of use. But this month marks one year since I've been on an airplane. Um, this time last year, I went to Florida after the last general election. And um, I was just thinking about what it's like to like how important it is to do you know when something when like your phone goes gets bust or, or your computer starts acting up and 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 the motto is turn it off and turn it on again 
Well, I think for human beings, having a holiday is turn it off and turn it on again. It just kind of resets us. It takes yes. us out of our context for a while and gives us a bit of perspective. And then when we come back, we're good to go. And I think we're mm. all feeling the the sort of feeling the the pressure and the heaviness of having been in one context for over a year now. And I think for a lot of us, the sadness is that even if we were to go away, the world is not normal outside of Ireland. This is happening globally. Yes. And it's not safe for us to go away. So we know that it's the right thing to do to stay put, but they're still acknowledging, it's important to acknowledge there's difficulties that come with that, you know, like being in one place means you don't get the perspective, you don't get a change of scene. And I think that really does revamp us. Mm, no, it brought it home to me and I just thought the same myself. It was it's, it's just over a year as well since I've been out also. But that's a very good point to make. It's the world. It's everywhere at the moment. But you did enjoy staycation last year and uh, it brought home to you the beauty that we do have here on our doorsteps. God, yeah. And like, I've always been like, I've never re like, I'm not one for adventure. I actually don't really like traveling too much. I get very anxious when I travel. I tend to go to the same places all the time just so that I'm kind of comfortable with my surroundings. But last year, um, we went to my partners from Mayo and we were in Ackle and it was one of those really sunny days and the sea was like turquoise blue. And I was like, God, why would you ever go? Why would you ever go away when this is on your doorstep? But then, of course, like most of the time, it's raining and most of the time it is that sort of tropical beauty. But I think actually this year, I would I would thank my lucky stars if I was able to get to Ackle this year. I just want to be able to get out of my county. You know, I think we're yeah. all sort of appreciating slightly smaller goals this year. Yes, and I think that's perspective again. And let's have that perspective on things and let this vaccine roll out and uh, the scientists get better at, uh, you know, developing even better vaccinations. And please God, with time, we will be filling those suitcases again. Look, you're a fascinating woman because I've been following you. Uh, I read you every week, but January, you, you did focus on mental health. Do you visit um, this lady weekly now to have a chat with her? I do, yes. So I have, so I do, I really struggle with my mental health. I have since I was a teenager and sometimes, and you see, I think it's important to understand that everyone has mental health, the same way that everyone has physical health, right? And it's a spectrum. So sometimes your physical health is great, you're top of the world. Sometimes you might break your ankle, then your physical health is poor. Sometimes you might have a chest infection, physical health is poor, but you bounce back. And for your whole life, you swing up and down that physical health spectrum. And your mental health is the same. Some days you feel great. Some days you're lower on the spectrum and you need a good night's sleep or you need, you know, you need to go for a good run and then, and then your mental health comes back. But for some people, they spend more of their time on the lower end of that spectrum. And that spectrum isn't, it's, it's not possible for certain people to raise, to change the end of the spectrum that they're on by just having a blow dry or, or, or going to the gym. Mm. And for those people, I'm one of those people, um, it takes a little bit more for me to, to be okay. And I have, sometimes that means I have to see a professional. Sometimes I'm not able to manage it by just chatting to my friends. And now is one of those times where I'm really struggling and, um, and it's not anything in particular. It's kind of nothing and everything. And I just go there to make sense, just to make sense of the world. It's some. It's an hour that I go and the person is, she's just there to be an ally to me, to help me to make sense of the world, to help me to feel like I can process things, just to stop and look around and be like, okay, it's the situation that is abnormal, not me. Like, this is not, 
it would be weird if I were not feeling a little bit anxious because there is a deadly virus on the loose. Yeah. But how can I how can I integrate that into my experience and not go and catastrophize everything? So like how can I manage the anxieties? So sometimes I need a little bit of help with that and I do at the moment. And then sometimes it gets even worse and then I go to my GP and uh, and, and sometimes I have to take medication. Um, at the moment, I'm not taking any medication, but I have twice in my life taken um, antidepressants and uh, and they've really helped me at that time. And I know that they're kind of like, they're always an option for me if, if, I, if, I, have to, if I have to go back there. But mm-hmm. I don't ever make that decision very quickly. It's usually a process of discussing it with my GP and, and then, you know, asking my friends, like, do you think I'm a bit off? Like, have I, because it's hard to make those decisions within yourself because you can't often see all of the context of your life you know so it's good to kind of chat to people and um, just kind of want people to know that like even though yeah you might see me on the TV or you might read me in the paper and you might think that I'm this successful person I also struggle and I struggle just like you might and and it's okay to to be like that you know it's okay to be really frustrated at the moment and that doesn't mean I'm not criticising government I'm not criticising Netflix I don't think that we need to open up but it's okay to say like I agree with what they're doing but I'm really struggling with it Mm. Um, and and, you know your analogy between physical health and mental health is superb because that's what it is we would do what you do uh, depending on the severity of the physical ailment we, we have and it's just the same. The same template applies to your mental health. Can I ask you this? And I don't mean to pry, but um, thank God I've never had to talk to anybody in my life. I do a lot of talking to myself and maybe that's half me trouble. But there you go. Um, anyway, you know, when you, you go to somebody like that and, and they give you yeah. an hour, is is the significance of it that you have a listening ear who only, you know, come in in the conversation as needs be. Is that a fair summation of it? Well, for me, maybe I can only speak from my experience. Yes. You know, there's all, there's a lot of different types of therapy. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but from my experience, so it's mo- it's me who does most of the talking. Yeah. But say if I'm in a room on my own and, and, uh, and I'm doing talking out loud, I can do that myself, you know, maybe I don't. So I talk out loud to myself. But I start, imagine that it's like, um, it's like a maze. Right. So if I'm on my own and I'm talking and talking and talking, I'll get lost in the maze because say I'm in a negative thought process or I'm following the wrong path. It's like the therapist is outside the maze and she's asking you questions or you're following her voice and it leads you to go different ways with your thought processes. So by her guiding questions or even by her you know, by her guiding reflections on what I'm saying, I am able to steer my mind through different routes to get to a different outcome than I would if I were just sitting talking to myself. Yeah. Because she's okay. a trained professional. Yes. She's been through the maze before and she knows how to help me yes. get out of it. But it's me who's doing the work. I'm doing the walking. She's just standing out there. She's not telling me how to get out of me. She's just standing there proving that you can get out of the maze and I'll find my way out with her guiding voice. Oh, brilliant. Look, thank you for letting me in on that. God, Stephanie, you have a fan club in the North East. Fans, yes, they, I'm just getting messages here. A couple of actually saying the same thing, that they love your column like myself in the newspaper, but it's too short. They want to give you two pages now, not one in the Sunday Independent. Editor, are you listening? It's a call from your audience and your newspaper <laughs> bias. Anyway, Stephanie Price is with us on Late Lunch and she's a fantastic lady. She really is. 
I wanted to ask you, just I remember the last uh, couple of times we met and that we talked about different issues. You're a very early riser and I know you walk every day. Are you still that, you know, up at the crack of dawn or before dawn even? Um, I'm not up before dawn. Well, I wake up every, like this morning now, for example, I woke up at five minutes past five. And um, I don't set an alarm. I never set an alarm. I just wake up naturally. But I go to bed very early and I need eight hours sleep. So last night I was in bed. I didn't get to see the eight o'clock news last night because I went to bed at eight o'clock. And I'd say I was asleep by about half eight. And then I just wake naturally. Um, it's just how I I like to spend my day. I don't really like the evening time. I find it... Like when I used to be awake late in the evenings, I was just waiting for bedtime. I wasn't enjoying anything. There was nothing I wanted to watch or do. And I was like, why am I doing this? I love the mornings. It's yeah. bright. People are getting up. I can I can get all my bits done. And I do go for a walk every day. God, I've been walking around the city. 5K, 5K, 5K every day. You know, I'm the opposite of you. I'm a night owl. You know, I, I definitely it goes by midnight before I rest, to be honest with you. But you're right. I often look back at some evenings and think, what the hell was I watching or reading there or whatever. But there you are. You have your routine and you are still a very early riser. The alcohol and sugar issues. How are you doing? Yeah, so the alcohol, I'm still off the alcohol. Um, that'll be seven years now, I think, this year. Good on you. Seven. Um, and I feel great for that. Yeah. Um, and then the sugar. The sugar is kind of a slightly different thing. It's difficult to, like... I I think at the time, I... So basically, for those who are listening who don't know, I cut sugar out of my diet um, a few years ago and, and lost a lot of weight. And then I kind of got obsessed with it, you know? It went the other way, and... I started to, I got afraid of things, like I got, I have a very disordered relationship with food, I have to say now, particularly, I don't think that it's ever good to cut an entire food group out. I suppose I was looking for a way to simplify, um, because you know, if you don't drink alcohol, it's very simple, you just cut it out and you don't, but you have to eat. And so I wanted a very black and white rule, something that I could just cut out that would help me to, to, to lose the weight and be healthy. And so I did it with the sugar, but it's, but it's not, I can't condone it. I don't do it anymore. I try to have a balanced relationship with food. I try to have a bit of sugar. I try to not have anything that I think is good or bad and not look at food as good or bad because, you know, it's not. And there are so many diets out there that make you think that, that kind of mess up your relationship with food. And so now I try and, and I fail, but I try to, to listen to when I'm hungry. What do I fancy eating? Am I just eating because it says it's one o'clock and now is the time to eat? Am I actually hungry? What would I really fancy to eat? Because before I would just eat what I thought was a good thing to eat. But then I'd still want the thing that that I hadn't had and then that would play on my mind. So I try to like not let my mind be focused on on food by just by just eating when I'm hungry what I want to eat and mm. eating it at that and knowing that if I eat you know my three meals a day and two snacks or so that my body is going to be the shape that I'm meant to be yeah. because I'm eating normally so this is my normal body <laughs> rather than chasing you know yeah. pictures that I see online or numbers yes. that I think are yes. good way because some chart says so mm. and and for me that's a much that's a much more 
I guess what's like a much healthier. It's healthier, may I say. It's, it's a healthier, complete, all-round attitude. What I've done is, I'm just thinking here. Uh, this morning, I had the most gorgeous jam donut, just fresh. I collected at the local bakery with a mug of tea, and I thought, isn't that just heaven? But you know what I've started to do? I uh, finish eating or drinking, say, early, very early evening. You know, between six and yeah. seven, and then I have nothing right through until maybe nine o'clock the next morning. You know, just to give the system a break. But that's just a, a little rage regime of mine that I've implemented for the the last year or so. But look, come back to you. I want to uh, say the columns are wonderful and I'm getting more messages here saying they love reading you on Sunday. So there you are. That's a real uh, uh, kudos for you. That does help because, you know, like I write that article in my living room and I email it to my editor who I don't meet in person. Yes. And then it goes out in the paper and I don't know if anyone ever reads it or you know it's so it's really nice when people on Stephanie. Instagram get on to me or yes. people write to me and because otherwise I have no way of knowing it I know be before I, I go out on a Sunday for lunch <laughs> and I see people reading the paper and I kind of get a thrill like ooh they're reading me but otherwise sure I have no way of knowing if people even just like shouting into a voice so it's lovely to hear your listeners say Stephanie, that Stephanie will I tell you I often sit here talking into this microphone sitting in front of me and wonder anybody there at the minute you know know what I mean but look at uh, the other thing I do want to mention is your podcast called Basically and uh, during January of course you did focus on mental health and I saw you had a lovely interview there with Harry Barry a very good friend of ours as well Uh, and Luke O'Neill is the latest one just let us in a little we love Luke and as you said he's the new superhero one of the new superheroes in Ireland he's a rock star oh he's brilliant isn't he just tell them in case anybody hasn't heard your podcast or hadn't heard from him just give them a little hope before we finish up. He's very yeah. positive, isn't he? And he spoke He's to you along positive. these lines. Yeah, very optimistic. He he goes through all of the vaccines and which one is which and how they work in very safe terms. And he says he believes that by midsummer, uh, when the popular or when or like depending on depending on supplies, but by midsummer it'll be warm. He thinks we'll be able to eat probably outdoors, but in cafes meet our friends, that the virus numbers, basically what the vaccine is there to do, it's not there to stop you getting COVID. You might still get it, but you won't have severe disease and you won't be dying from it. So once the people, once that, and that, once those hospital numbers are down and we know that people are vaccinated and the vulnerable are not going to die or get severe illness, we cannot justify being locked down anymore and things will open up because the risk will be much lessened. And this is all just a game of managing risk. So if you want to listen to it, Type into the internet, basically podcast. Stephanie, Luke O'Neill is there this week. There's one every week and, and, and you'll get great hope from Luke because he's such a great optimist. Oh, you and will indeed. Yeah, and it's Stephanie, S-T-E-F-A-N-I-E, Stephanie. So, And the podcast, yeah. again, is basically, just type it in wherever you get your podcasts and it's well worth listening to and you bring them to us regularly. Any more books on the rise? I was just thinking about the title. Remember the book? Why can't everything stay the same? I think everybody <laughs> would just, you know, reflect on that today and think, were you, uh, were you premonition? Was there a premonition that you saw this coming? There was not. God no, almighty. no, no. I would, no. I, I, and I have the lot of numbers as well. If you want, to <laughs> um, great. Tomorrow, I tomorrow is Friday, and I am going for a walk in the Phoenix Park, Lovely. socially distant, with yes. my editor who edited that book. Okay, uh, talking about potentially doing another book. Good so woman. That's the first conversation is happening tomorrow. So. 
don't be asking me when it's out. Ah, no, but look, they... Idea first, y- but those things are... Important. Yes, yes. And, and as a writer, like, why can't everything stay the same 2017? Then it was followed by Can I Say No? And I spoke to you with both of those books as well, and they really uh, were fantastically well received. Look, you're a real good one. I wish you well with everything you do and keep on doing what you're doing because we love it. Stephanie, thank you again for thank joining so us. Much. Take care of yourself. All your listeners, keep your chins up and we'll get there. We will indeed. Good woman yourself. The brilliant Stephanie Preisner there joining me on Late Lunch this afternoon. Now we move on on the show and it's uh, back to one of our regulars early in the month as we're doing each month this year. Yes, she is the queen of organic gardening. Nikki Kyle, hello again. Jerry, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Well, well, Nikki, I think I'm underwater because I was just going to start by saying, Nikki, doesn't this weather just again emphasise the benefits of having a wee greenhouse or a tunnel? Oh, absolutely. I can tell you, I'm almost getting webbed feet and I'll start quacking soon. I mean, it's, I've been wading around in, in muddy water for the last few weeks. And do you know what? We've had 270% of the normal rainfall for the last week of January in this area, which includes you lot as well. Yeah. It's... And this week actually looks like being the same, although the sun's finally come out today for five minutes. Oh, it's out for a little bit to brighten up. But it is, uh, I've never felt, even myself, my, my lawn or that, it is oh. just a bog at the moment. But it says, to, it says again, I say to everybody, think about investing in a tunnel or a greenhouse. Yeah. It opens up all so many possibilities, Nikki. Just a, a simple cold frame. Do you know, yes. when I first started gardening, I made a home, homemade cold frame um, out of some bits of wood I picked up at, down around Seatown Estuary and some cheap builder's polythene, and it lasted me for years, and it was absolutely brilliant. You know, it, you don't need to buy expensive things. You can make do with anything if you can't afford something more expensive. Yeah. But I mean, talking about the weather, I just want, in that connection, I want to say a quick word about peach juice, if I may. Yeah. Um, because there's an awful lot of talk about carbon emissions right now, uh, uh, accelerating climate change. Um, and peat extraction is actually one of the biggest accelerants of climate change by releasing millions of years of stored carbon and methane. Um, not using peat would make a huge difference to, to global carbon emissions. We really need to stop using peat, peat in our gardens because that's adding to the problem. But is just it- one stunning statistic for you. Peatlands cover only 3% of the world's entire land surface, but they're massive carbon sinks. They sequester and store twice as much carbon as all standing forests. Isn't that amazing? And we talk about the Amazon and that's shocking what's happening there. But 3% and look what it does. The only thing is, Nikki, with the closing down of the peat-fired plants, we're hearing about that, and production stopping in the Midlands, it's over, is it? It is over for peat. Well, it has to be, Jerry, because, you know, right now, I mean, people don't understand. Yeah, okay, we have a pandemic now, which is really threatening. But the biggest pandemic that's threatening us is carbon emissions and climate change. And, you know, that's actually adding to, to will add to more global pandemics mm. uh, as more pressure is put on nature. You know, I, I was recently, I was criticized for paying, saying that gardeners shouldn't use peat because peat-free composts were more expensive. But the difference in price of, of the sort of peat or peat-free compost is less than the average cost of a couple of packets of seeds. Yeah. And these cheap three-for-two offers in garden centres and um, DIY sh- chains shouldn't be allowed. We should boycott them because they're actually costing the earth. 
Okay, well, look, at peat free is there, yeah. and there's lots of it, and real good stuff, and that's there the message is. from yeah, Nikki today. Get and your peat free. It grows far better plants too. Yes, and I, I, I can verify that because I'm using it, and it's fantastic. It really yeah. is. Now, just before we get into the uh, the the nitty gritty of what to do now, a propagator or a heated mat is a good investment, isn't it? At this time, uh, either of them. Yes, I mean most propagators, most uh, sort of propagators around, well, I suppose, uh, twenty five to thirty euros, or maybe a little bit more. They're set at one temperature which is mostly suitable for sort of tomatoes and things like that it's a wee bit too hot for normal things i mean most things don't need really warm temperatures you know Mm. lettuce will germinate at about 45 to 50 degrees and most things are quite happy germinating at that Mm. so unless you're going to sow tomatoes which we'll talk about later you know you don't really want sort of more 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 warmth than 50 degrees yes or, or, or 10 degrees centigrade yeah, OK, so you don't need that. But, but a heated mat, you encouraged me a few years to get one. It's marvellous. Yeah. It's marvellous. If you want to, to have early tomatoes, I'll be sowing um, early tomatoes now this month, and they do need a, a warm bottom heat yeah. of 10 degrees centigrade. They don't need a lot of heat. You don't need a heat heater that's going to heat the air in a greenhouse. That's a complete waste of energy. Mm. Heat the bottom of the plants. That's where it's important. Yeah, so get your mat. A mat is a great investment and it'll do it for you. Let's stay with tomatoes because people, there's nothing like uh, the homegrown tomato. It's just superb. And of course, we're talking to the founder of the totally tomatic, (laughs) uh, totally terrific tomato festival in in Nicky Kyle. What will you be sowing and when should we put in our tomatoes? Well, I won't be saying most of them, to be honest, until the first week in March. Okay. But um, there are two very good, in fact, excellent bush varieties, Mascotka, which was available at B&Q last year, and Tumblr. And both are very easy. They're compact bush varieties, and they're the tastiest and earliest tomatoes there are. I can guarantee that if you sow mascotka at the end of February, you will have ripe tomatoes at the beginning of June. Okay, so that's Nikki's recommendation. I got a pero, I got a pero, I was oh, lucky. well done. Yes, I got the, the pero seed and I'm going to give them a go this year myself. So time enough sowing late February, early March tomatoes. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, I, I'll definitely sow um, late February last week. Uh, that's my sort of traditional time. And I've always found, I mean, I proved a few years ago that mascotka is, in fact, the earliest tomato in the world. Okay. If you sow it, then it will be ready. It beat all the others which they were recommending. Yes, and it's a lovely flavour. Oh, wonderful flavour. Let's talk about spuds. You'll be proud of me. I, 15 <laughs> pots in the greenhouse with one potato in each. I bought a little well packet of salad potatoes before Christmas, sprouted yeah. them, and they're in the pots now in the Great. greenhouse. Yeah, great. And you'll probably be eating those for Easter. Ah, good on you. God, that'll be marvellous if that happens. But look at, Nikki, in general terms, there's still plenty of time to get your seed potato and get them sprouting. Well, I would get them as soon as you can. Don't leave it, um, because they may become, you know, less available. A lot more people are growing their own this year. Um, And if you want to get them sprouting quickly, don't put them on the windowsill like all the gardening books recommend. Put them in a box, in a warm place, in the dark. Just cover the top and they'll sprout like mad within a week or so. Mm, that's, that's the way to do it. And then let them have a bit of light because that toughens up the sprouts. Yes. But if you leave them sprouting on a windowsill in egg boxes, like you see recommended everywhere, they'll take weeks to sprout. Yeah. So there's a great tip today. In the darkness, in the box, in a warm yeah. place, watch yeah. them after a week or two. Take them out and then they'll be little spindly shoots, maybe a little pale. They'll go green then, won't they? They will go green as soon as they come out into the light. You know, don't leave them too long in the box. Keep an eye on them and as soon as they've got sprouts about half an inch or an inch long, take them out and put them in the light and they'll be fine. Now, the family of garlic, onions and shallots. Talk to me about those. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's getting 
late for, to think about ordering um, garlic for spring planting, but two very good varieties are Marco and Cristo. Now, they're both very tasty, good, strong varieties, and there's no point growing weak garlic, you know. Yeah. Just grow strong, the strong stuff and lose ha- use half of it. Um, but they're, they're excellent. But um, wherever you get your garlic from, start it off in pots now. I mean, the one thing you mustn't do now, because it's so wet, is touch soil at all. Mm. You'll ruin the soil structure. You won't gain anything at all. You'll ruin the drainage. Uh, and you're actually much better off covering it now, letting it warm up. Uh, while you actually plant your your onion sets or garlic or whatever in small pots or in modules. And then by the time the soil has dried out a bit in, in three or four weeks' time, you'll be able to plant out your garlic and away it'll go. OK, so that's it. Don't plunge them into the soaking ground. It's going to be cold no. next week. Mine them indoors for a while and then they're ready to go. Are you are you into the sets and the, and the shallot sets as well rather than using onion seed? How, where do you stand on that? Well, not... I, I prefer... Much prefer to use onion seed. Okay. I sow those in mid-March uh, and they're very easy. They hardly ever get any disease or any problems uh, and they don't run up to, to seed or bolt very rarely. Onion sets tend to bolt very easily. Yes. Uh, they bring in chemicals if they're not organic. They'll have been treated with fungicides uh, and they may bring in disease as well. Mm. But if you want early onions, what I always say to do is get yourself a bucket-sized um, pot or something and plant them really close together, about two inches apart. In, in, all over the top uh, of the container. Yeah. And they'll be fine and you'll get them early. Yes. You know, but if you put them in the garden and you bring in disease, you'll have that disease for at least 20 years. Okay, so a good sized pot, cram yeah. the onion sets in there together yeah. and keep them away from, from your garden soil. I loved your tweet earlier today with your pea plan. Now, I'm not, being, I'm, I'm not saying okay. anything wrong here. It's, it's peas we're talking about in the garden. Tell them about your pea plan. Oh, that was beans. Oh, what? Oh, <laughs> spec savers. I'm for spec savers. I'm for spec savers. Go on, tell them. Anyway, look, let's talk about peas for a moment because yeah. you, you gave me a very good tip a couple of years ago. Again, not planting peas directly into the soil. No, I mean, what you can do now if you want to get early peas, you know, it's going to be another month even before the soil is even remotely warmed up and it's probably still going to be far too wet so start some off in pots now and what you can do to get them even earlier is actually um you know not not soak them at this time of year because they might rot Mm. put them onto a plate with damp paper towel and let them swell up over a couple of days Uh, keep an eye on them let a bit of air in occasionally keep the paper towel damp and they'll start to sprout uh, and then plant them in pots of, um, you know, peat-free seed compost. Yes. Um, or even old potting compost, actually, because they love that. There's less nitrogen. Okay. Uh, in, in, and they actually uh, germinate more easily. Um, and they're, they're actually brilliant like that, and you'll have them really early. Now, Kelford and Wonder is a great old-fashioned variety. Yes. Uh, it's cheap to buy, it's easily available, and it's thoroughly reliable and very tasty. I picked the packet up, would you believe, uh, only the weekend out doing my shop, and I yeah. saw a rack of them, and I saw them, and they're a great early pea. And similar drill with the beans. Sorry, Nikki, I, I did your beans. I called yeah, them peas. Yeah, no, it's they, shocking. Exactly the same with the beans. Do the same thing. Just mm. start them up. Somewhere, a bit of gentle warmth. They don't want a lot of heat. But, you know, even normal kitchen temperature, they'll probably be fine. Yes. Uh, I've got a range, so I put them near the back of the range. Actually, at this time of year, I've got seeds germinating like that on a cake stand at the back of the range. Okay. It is. And, and it works. It really does work. Yeah. I can vouch for that. Just before we finish, two things. Carrots and cabbage. I take it you like the Nantes, do you, those... Uh... Oh, the early Nantes are brilliant. And again, don't sow them in, in the garden. They'll just rot. 
they like a slightly warmer temperature than lettuce. I mean, at this time of year, don't try to sow anything in the garden. It's yeah. a waste of time. Mm. Cover the garden or cover your beds uh, with sort of dark polythene or something like that uh, to keep the rain off and to stop the weeds growing. Mm. Uh, and then when you take it, take it up every day or so uh, and go out with a pair of scissors. And if there's any slugs hiding underneath the polythene, just snip them in half. Oh. It gets easier after the first couple. <laughs> it does. It really when you think does. about them eating your lettuce. <laughs> and, and last one, yet yeah, lettuce, of course, you can get going with. Cabbage. I found a lovely variety called Dutchman. Um, and Ooh, I don't know that. Oh, it's a beauty. You know, hispy greyhound with the little yeah. pointy spring ones. And I love to have them early, a green cabbage. But it's just one I grew last year. And I, I, I got some more seed. Dutchman, it's called. And it's oh. a nice little early cabbage as well. Lovely. Yeah. Great. So there's a recommendation from myself. I'm stealing... I couldn't steal this woman's thunder. She's <laughs> decades ahead of me with all her knowledge, but she's teaching me and I'm learning fast, I have to say. NikkiKyleGardening.com yeah, is where all the... I've actually just put a, a blog post up with what to do this month. Lovely. And also there's the what to sow, of course, uh, and there's loads to do. But just please don't touch soil. No. I'm totally against That's soil abuse. That's the biggest message today. Leave it be for the time being. Absolutely. Have patience, but there's lots to be done. Yeah. Nikki, until the month of March, thank you so much. Take care. It's a pleasure, Jerry. Bye. Bye. The wonderful Nikki Kyle there, the most brilliant woman. And uh, the knowledge, she's forgotten more than I'll ever know in my lifetime. And I've picked up so much from her, and I hope you have too. NikkiKyleGardening.com. All the information is there. Check her out. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. Snow on the way the beast from the east thank you indeed I've had many listeners on to me saying it was the beast from the east Jerry in 2018 2018 19, 20, 21 three years ago it was ah oh, look they're erring on the side of caution I'd say in met air and telling us we're going to be deluged don't worry about it I don't think it'll be that bad don't blame me if you can't get out your front doors next week stay with us on late lunch that's it Mary get those steps in keep on walking Dara well done Jerry halfway there People in Ritholt have met these signs round the village and are wondering, what are they about? Who's behind them? Well, the man behind them is on the line with me now and I'm delighted to say hello to him again. Michael Gibson, afternoon. Afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Well, well, well. You are the phantom behind these. How many did you put up? Uh, there's about, about 20 in total. And, and what's the thought process behind them? Um, I was just, I suppose I was struck by the monotony of walking around the village or running around the village myself. And I thought, you know, wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be cool if you could look up and see a sign that was directed at you to say, just keep the head up, keep going, you know, you're nearly there. And that was really, that was the, that was the idea behind it. I had some, of the, had some of the board at home, so I said I'll do up the signs. That was it. I absolutely love it. And I think... You've done a marvellous thing for people in Rithoth. And I think this is something that could really take off elsewhere. I mentioned there, it's not in my honour. I, I know that. Well done, Jerry. Halfway there. Well, I'm over halfway and late lunch at the moment. But uh, that behind that sign, there's, you, you have a person in mind there, haven't you? Yeah, there is a story. So I had the signs were up and I got a message on the lemonade cart from a lady to say that her dad was halfway through his chemotherapy. And he had seen the signs and she wanted to know would I put one up um, dedicated to him just to say, well done, Jerry, you're halfway there. And he would see it when mm. he'd be out taking his exercise. So oh. we, we put it up on the signpost outside his house 
Ah, outside he, of the state, so brilliant. He, he definitely got to see it. I, look, this is just great. It, it, it's so heartening and uh, and uplifting. And of course, I could be walking by it and think, "Jesus, that's for me." <laughs> you know? That's why. That's why the, the names are picked. <laughs> yeah. Like we went with John, generic, uh, yeah, mm. yeah, Marys. You know, the ones that you might hit a lot of people. But to be fair, the it it was done. It was done something that I just thought that'd be nice. But you know, there obviously is the message behind it, which is it's a tough time for everybody. Yes. Then. You know, yes. any bit of a lift that we can get is is better is is good for us. Of know? course, and and you know, you did. I'll tell you this: people were scratching their heads, saying, "What's this all about? Who's this? Yeah. Who's doing this?" But you yeah. know, I know they love it. They really do love it, and it has uh, touched, really touched, so many people. So twenty names you have spread around the place. Do you know yeah. what? I think you should uh, patent this, and uh, you never know where this might go for you, Michael. Yeah, well, as long as the council don't find me. <laughs> well, no, I was just about to say that. I didn't. I didn't know whether to say it or whether you'd bring oh, it up no, as well. Uh, look, it was it was said to me very early on. You know, there's a lot of serious people in my life that would say you can't do that. And uh, I said, well, look, we'll have that conversation when it gets to it. You know, <laughs> if it got to it, but look, it's out there. Build it and seek planning later. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I don't mean, I'm not saying that seriously, folks. I'm having a bit of a no. crack here about it. Yeah. I know, I know the way uh, planning laws and that work. But look, uh, it, it's it's caught the imagination. It really has. And it's building on, uh, as you mentioned, Lemonade Cart there. Uh, you are the founder, of course, very positive uh, group as well. And this is yeah. just something adding to it. Look, it's, it's fair to say, and it's been a theme of late lunch from the start of the show today. Anything we can do, you know, listen to people listen to the stories do what you're doing we gotta keep try and keep as positive as we can Michael that's what it's all about Jerry you know that is what it's all about there is nothing else I, I just love it I, 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 and I wanted to mention it today and if you want to see it folks go over to LMFM's Facebook page then you'll get a feel for what it's about it's a bit of an artist in you as well can I say that only yeah very very slightly very slightly <laughs> There is. Come on, don't be running yourself down. You are. You've done a brilliant job on them. All your own work. Yeah, all my own work. Well, I had the, I had the, I have the machinery. Yes, of course. I know. I know. It was worth putting it to use. You know, it really, really was. You've done something really good. I have to say, Michael. Congratulations to you, and I'm delighted to give it an airing here in the show today and encourage people in Rathout. Go out, look at them, take on board the message as well. And this may be something for other villages and towns across the country, across the world, in fact, at this time. Brilliant, Michael. Thank you. Keep up the great work. All the best. Thanks again. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's the wonderful Michael Gibson there from the Lemonade Cart. Go in and look at them. They're really great, I have to say. They're really great. They are. Hands on to say to me, Jerry, you mentioned putting the spuds in the pots. What size pots? I think mine would be about 12-inch pots. That's across the top if you measure it 12-inch. But I've seen Nicky grow them in smaller pots, to be honest, which are 9-inch pots, and even smaller you'll get spuds. But I like the 12-inch pot. Put the spud right at the bottom with peat-free compost, a little bit of manure and my own compost through it as well, a little bit of organic fertiliser in it. Put the spud in the bottom of the pot, cover it right at the top, and just leave them in the greenhouse. In a few weeks, you'll see them coming up and sprouting and you'll have lovely early spuds. I, I think we get about 10 to 12 potatoes from each pot and they're like good-sized hen eggs. They're lovely to have them in the early part of the year. Steam them. Kerrygold butter. Bob's your uncle. Fanny's your aunt. And Josie's your sister. You can't beat it, to be honest with you. The early news spuds. Anyway, Late Lunch LMFM Radio. We're heading to new sport and weather at three. And afterwards, it's back to the Billy Joel story. And our own David Sheehan is joining us. 
Angela, good luck to you. Angela was on to say she's moving her greenhouse after 20 years in the one spot. You know, it's something I thought of with my own as well. I might be thinking of moving. I'd love to get a tunnel with the, the greenhouse I have as well. Considering the wet weather we're having incessantly now, the benefits of tunnels are, as Nikki said, even a coal frame to create. It's marvellous as well. But good luck to you, Angela. It's a big move to move a house after 20 years, uh, taking it apart, moving the glass. Big job indeed, but I hope it all goes well for you. Jerry, can you mention those tomato uh, names again that Nikki recommended. I know Tumblr, says a listener. The other one she mentioned and I've grown it is Mascotka. Mascotka. M-A-S-K-O-T-K-A. Mascotka. And I'm going to try Apero this year. We lost our favourite little plum tomato. They don't do the blinking seed anymore. And Nikki recommended Apero. I got it from Dobie's all right. So I'm going to grow this uh, one this year. She says it's a lovely flavour and we'll see how it goes. And another couple of people on there to say, what's Nikki's website, Jerry? I just didn't catch it there. It's NikkiKyleGardening.com. That's N-I-C-K-Y-K-Y-L-E. NikkiKyleGardening.com. It's a wonderful website. It really is. Anything you want to know, it's there for you. And uh, you can click in and have a look at it at any stage. Now, my featured artist of the week is probably my all-time favourite, Billy Joel. We're coming up to the 1990s now at Billy's Story and the album Stormfront, which, uh, from which emerged the singles We Didn't Start the Fire, I Go to Extremes, Leningrad, and So It Goes. That's the name of a song. And one of my favourite Billy Joel songs of all time, the Downeaster Alexa. I may play it for you tomorrow. Anyway, the storms were also gathering in his business and personal lives. He dismissed and sued his manager, Frank Weber, for fraud and breach of accounting for $90 million. His lawyer, he went into battle with, Alan Grubman as well, for another $90 million. That one was settled out of court. And he divorced his uptown girl, Christine Brinkley, in 1994. But he remained close to their daughter, Alexa Ray, who became his maid of honour at his next wedding. Here is Billy Joel and his signature song. Billy Joel, piano man, his signature song on late lunch this afternoon. Yes, I did mention he had a daughter, Alexa Ray, uh, with the uptown girl, his wife, Christine Brinkley. And then that was a second marriage. He was married for a third time to Katie Lee in 2004, but they separated in 2009. Good man, Billy. He got married for a fourth time in 2015 to Alexis Roderick who he had been with actually since 2010 and they have two children, Della Rose she's five and Remy Ann who is three and Billy's almost 73 there's life in the old dog yet that's for sure, more from Billy Joel on late lunch tomorrow afternoon and yes I will say a big happy birthday today to our Chris Murray yes uh, Seamus and Chris off this week on the breakfast show but it is Chris's birthday today and I'm sure he's celebrating his in his own way with government restrictions anyway Chris you don't look a day older than the first day I ever met you what is the secret Chris Murray happy birthday from everybody in LMFM radio this afternoon up next on the show after a final break it's another one of the crew here yes a presenter of Sunday Sport David Sheehan joins us because he is a brand new podcast and if you're a Mead GA football fan you'll want to hear all about it Tempest Fugit for sure 15 years folks and show Sean Boylan stepped down as Mead Senior Football Manager and believe it or not, it'll be 20 years this year 
since the Royal County last contested an All-Ireland Senior Football Final. Who would have thought it? And when you're in the midst of a halcyon era uh, with Sean Boylan, you never think it will come to an end. But the wheel of sport does turn and turn always. Our David Sheehan has been working hard on a new podcast. It's called After the Gold Rush, Meath Beyond Boylan. And the first episode is published tomorrow. And David is on the line. Hello, David. How are you, Jerry? How are you doing? I'm really good. Nice to talk to you on the show today. What put this afoot? Was it those milestones, 15 years, 20 years, or what? Yeah, I guess it was. I mean, as as we all know, there's been no sport to speak of for, for the last while, so I haven't been in doing Sunday sport, and it gives you a little bit of time, um, you know, to think about these things. I think I kind of woke up one morning and it just popped into my head, and I, and I started to think about how it might work, and it kind of occurred to me that it was just over 15 years since Sean stepped down. And then, of course, I was reminded about the fact that it'll be 20 years since Meadra and Nollar and finally in 2001 later on this year. So just those two things together. And then I started looking into it a bit more and there was so much that happened around that time when Sean stepped down and, and Eamon Barry's era began and he only got a year and then Colin Coyle came in and that didn't end too well. So it was a really turbulent time for Mead football and I just thought it was it was worth looking back on it in a little bit more detail. Do you know what is the sadness of anybody who's been successful and inevitably their time comes to an end? You'd never have thought, David, that the final years of Sean's reign, you know, people were unhappy with him and he had to put up with quite a bit of abuse. Yeah, he did. And I mean, the episode that's coming out tomorrow, uh, I talked to Anthony Moyles and Brian Farrell. Now, Anthony had been on the panel a few years at that point when, when Sean stepped down, but Brian was was kind of knocking around the panel for a year or two and made his first start, made his championship debut in 04, but made his first start for me in 05. So he was new in and, um, you know, they, they both kind of mentioned the, the, the abuse and the stick that Sean got. And I remember it myself from being at matches at the time, people were calling for his head. Um, but as the lads kind of mentioned, the Mead fans, you know, no more than myself at that age, anyone that had grown up through the 80s and 90s, every year you were expecting you know, to be in contention for an All-Ireland final. And even in the years that Mead didn't get that far, obviously the, the 90s was a, was a knockout, there was no back door, but they were always pushing hard for, for Leinster's and for All-Ireland's, uh, even in the years where they didn't win stuff. So I think that adjustment period for supporters um, to, to, to come back down to earth was something that a lot of supporters didn't deal very well with. And a lot of them bl- laid the blame at Sean's door. And, and, and as we talked about, you know, Sean got some abuse from, from the supporters around that time, yeah. Let's listen to an excerpt from episode one. And here is Brian Farrell, who you mentioned a moment ago. I remember in 04, um, I was in a new sub down in uh, Brewster Park. And the abuse that Sean was subject to from coming from the stands that day was something I really? obviously only first year in, never experienced before. And possibly have never experienced since that, apart from that day in Cavan. So that was 04 and 05. And that came from a, a demand from the supporters. And there was no, there was no, uh, I suppose, exception there that there's four or five new guys after being put in there in 05. You know, they just yeah. wanted success and they were being for blood at that time. Brian Farrell there uh, speaking about that awful time when abuse flowed to- towards Sean. You know, when you, when you think about that time, David, the, uh, during the 15 years, of course there was a turnover of players with Sean, but when he was leaving, he'd blooded some new players. There were some there uh, who'd been with him quite a while. And when somebody like Sean goes, the feeling of, of those players who'd soldiered with him for a time... Were they really upset? Was this, you know, something that they found with the work you've done on this difficult to adjust to the new man coming in? 
Well, it's it's funny because, I mean, I kind of touched on that with, with Brian in that piece and with Anthony as well in, in the first part. And, you know, it's it's understandable. Like, the, the, as Brian as Brian mentioned in, in, in the, the first part as well, like, he talked about how, as a player, you're you're just focused on doing your job and you can't really dwell too much on, on a manager coming or going. You just have to get out there and do your stuff. So, you know, he said himself, like, you know, they didn't really have too much time to to dwell on it you just had to you had to get on with it Eamon Barry came in as manager and, and everybody in Mead will know Eamon Barry had massive success with Dunshock and won three senior titles in a row had challenged Sean the previous three years and then Sean stepped down and Eamon got the job obviously and was there for a year but the players I guess you know a lot of the lads that soldiers with Sean had kind of fallen away at that stage as as Brian mentioned in that clip a lot of new faces had come in uh, and I, I think Sean probably would have wanted maybe another year or two to try and bed those players in and, and mm. progress them on. It didn't happen, obviously, for me. He stepped away. But, yeah, I, I guess the players are in an awkward situation. They, they can't afford to look back too much, you know. It's just a matter of, right, you know, the king is dead, long live the king almost. You know, and Sean had been there for 23 years. So he, a lot of players had gone through his hands. But the lads that were there at the time, I guess, just had to knuckle down under the new man and, and try and impress him. I make a soccer analogy. You saw what happened at Manchester United after Ferguson, mm. Arsenal after uh, Wenger as well. And when somebody's there a long time and so successful, it, it is difficult. Generally, the next man who takes the job, and it's been proven with uh, Moyes at, at United and uh, the successor to uh, Wenger at Arsenal as well, Emery, didn't last long. And, and so it was with Eamon Barry. Despite the success you mentioned there, he had at club level. He, it was a short, sharp shift. Yeah, and again, you know, so much of this I had forgotten about that when I went looking back through the archives. The funny thing that people mightn't realise about Sean Boylan was he was on a year-to-year term all all the way through his time in charge of Mead. So every year he had to be ratified. Now, clearly, for the majority of the time he was there, he wasn't getting challenged. He was just getting back in every year unopposed. But as I said, Eamon Barry challenged him for the last three, uh, three, year, three or four years or so uh, of Sean's time there. And then Eamon got the job himself. Uh, in 2005, the back end of 2005, he was voted in. He he beat um, Paddy Carr and Benny Reddy quite comfortably. Um, but straight away, he fell out with the county board. Um, he almost lost his job before he even got going. And then the following year, they had some very good performances and very good results. And again, Eamon blooded an awful lot of new players. And the one thing you could say about Eamon Barry's time was he, he left no stone unturned. There were trials. A lot of new faces came in. A lot of lads got their chance uh, and in the second part of the, the, the piece, we talk about that. We talk about the, the controversy off the pitch with, with Colin Keyes, who covered the story at the time. And then I'll talk to Kevin Riley and Brian again about, about the, the on-the-pitch stuff. And there were some really good performances under Raymond, but he, he got removed or essentially voted out at the end of that year. And Colin Coyle came in for two years. So, And along with the managerial change, Sean had been there for 23 years. The other thing that happened at the end of 2005, not long after Sean had stepped down, was Finton Ginnity, who sadly passed away at the back end of 2019. Finton had been there for about 20 years as county board chairman, and he lost out in a vote to Brendan Dempsey. So there was huge upheaval on the pitch and off the pitch in Mead at the time, and it was just a, a really extraordinary time for the county, you know? Yeah, it was. And then, of course, in came uh, who they thought was the man to make Mead great again, Colm Coyle, for a couple of years. And I don't want to give too much more away uh, because people need to uh, look up the podcast and listen. The first one tomorrow, it's going out each of the next three Fridays. Where can people listen to it, uh, David? Uh, it'll be up on lmfm.ie. And also, if, if people search LMFM on their, on their podcast uh, platform of choice, they'll, they'll be able to find it there and download it. So the first one, as you said, is going up tomorrow morning. Uh, that's called Boylan's Curtain Call. So that deals with Sean Boylan's kind of final season mainly yeah. and, and, and the lead up to his stepping down. And then part two will be Eamon Barry's year and then the final part 
will be Colin Coyle era. So uh, hopefully people will enjoy it. And uh, and yeah, it's been enjoyable to make. And I've discovered I've I've, I've <laughs> discovered things I, I don't think I ever knew in the first place. <laughs> there you go. And maybe better you didn't know. A play- yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and it's from a player's perspective we want to see the players involved, the main characters at the time, talking mm. to David. I wish you well in it. It's a fantastic project and it really is appropriate to look back on it at this time. Best wishes with it, David. Thanks very much, Sherry. Take care of yourself. That's our own David Sheehan, presenter of Sunday Sport. It's called After the Gold Rush, uh, Meath uh, Beyond Boiling. Uh, that's After the Gold Rush, Meath Beyond Boiling. And uh, it's beyond late lunch now because Eddie Caffrey's coming next with the drive. I want to say a big thank you to Brian Farley who guided me safely through the last couple of hours today. Thanks a million, Brian. And just to let you know, tomorrow on the show we'll be talking to John Moore. He's from Dundalk and he's a lovely week cookery book out. And John, you're in good company tomorrow when I tell you also on late lunch tomorrow afternoon Keith Barry's back and Daniel O'Donnell as well oh my god I'm looking forward to already myself anyway have a nice evening this evening stay with us here on LMFM radio Eddie's coming with some great stuff uh, on the drive as I said take care see you tomorrow 1.30 the Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Strahda Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even on a budget, Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.